SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, Pharrell back on a pain-free Friday on Coast to Coast. Good to have you with us. So there's a story that's running around that the mafia is uh, going to try to intercept the vaccine shipments and then sell the vaccine uh, shots on the black market for spiked prices. Mafia, what is going on there? How many uh, millions of doses of vaccine do you think you're going to be able to get your hands on when you make that late night run to the airport? I have no comment about any. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't be part of any illegal activities. I'm a very wholesome you know, individual with a puppy. All right, uh, Mavi, let's talk about uh, Spence and Garcia. You know, Errol Spence says uh, that even at 70%, he can kick Danny Garcia's ass. Do you believe him? I do believe him. You know, we've talked about that, that even if this guy is, you know, not necessarily what he was before the crash, but close to it, you know, he's better because Garcia, let's, you know, talk about this guy. Let's not, you know, say that he's nothing. Let's not, you know, completely write him off. Cause like Porter was saying, this guy's legit. He has timing. If you look at his past record, I mean, up until 2017, he had a murderous row of guys that he beat through, whether it was Morales twice, Amir Khan, Zab Judah, Matisse, uh, Lamont Peterson, Malinaji, you know, Guerrero, he beat a ton of people. Then that's when he started fighting Thurman and Porter and the, you know, these bigger guys. And it started being a problem for him going up in this weight class. I don't think it just works out for him too well. Uh, Spence is just bigger. He's stronger. He might not be at 100%. You know, we don't know. You got to get that ring rust off you. But even if he's not 100%, even if he's, you know, like you said, 70%, he's still probably better at this point in his career than Danny Garcia. Well, when he fought all those guys that you rattled off, uh, you know, he was better than all of them. And he was their size. When he took on better fighters, bigger fighters, like you mentioned, when he fought one-time Thurman and when he fought Showtime Porter, he lost both of those fights. Those are his only two fights. And we already know what Spence did to Porter. And I'm telling you, I already know what Spence would do to Thurman. And I know what Spence is going to do to Garcia. And I think you do too. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I think, you know, Danny's got a shot, obviously, if that Spence is not nearly what we're expecting, if there is lingering issues that we are not foreseeing. And, of course, he's going to play like there are none. But if he's lying and there's something going on, maybe his speed's a little off, maybe he doesn't have that same pop, maybe he's going to be a little more, you know, timid getting back in the ring for the first time after the things he suffered. There's always those opportunities, you know, for Danny Garcia if that is out there. But we're taking him at his face value, at his word, at, you know, we, what we're hearing from other people who have seen him, and that he is, you know, pretty much what he was before and that that didn't affect him negatively. And if that's the case, it's going to be a long night for Danny. Angel Garcia, Danny's father, the crazy trainer, and everybody knows he's crazy, says he thinks Spence is not 100%, and they're going to take advantage of that. I don't really buy that either. I don't. I mean, that's Angel just running his mouth, and that's what Angel's known for. We've known throughout his career. Danny Garcia is, you know, kind of the more calm, collected, and just, you know, respectful guy that's going to get in there and just do his business in the ring. Angel's the one that tries to get in the guy's heads, and that's what he's trying to do right here. You know, we know that what Spence is. We know he's better. Angel knows he's, he's better, but he's going to say, you know what? If I tick this guy off enough, if I work him up, if I get in his head, maybe that leaves opportunities for Danny. That's what he's looking for, but it's not going to happen. So let's talk about a UFC fight night tomorrow night. You're all over Hermanson. I'm guessing against Louis Vuitton. 
I am over Hermanson. I'm not going to say all over because, you know, surprisingly, Hermanson is an underdog in this fight, even though the Tories coming in here on a week's notice. And Hermanson had two other guys that he was, you know, ready for. As we welcome all radio audiences across the country, you know, we're throughout the uh, United States, we'll be taking over Sirius XM next month. So get ready for that. But as we welcome on all those, uh, Vittori is a guy coming in here on late notice. You know, he's been training for other fights. He's been ready for other things. He hasn't been ready for a five-round fight, and that's why I'm with Hermanson. I think even though Vittori is a better grappler than the guys that Hermanson was previously supposed to fight, I think still Hermanson is a bigger, better guy in that regard. And I don't care that Vittori is, you know, good striking and good uh, success against southpaws in previous fights. For me, it's all about Hermanson's skill and him being ready for this five-round fight. I think it's going to get into the deeper rounds. I think that's where Vittori's going to have issues because he's been training for three. Hermanson's been training for five. You get into those fourth and fifth rounds, it's going to wear on you if this guy's been leaning on you the whole fight. And that's why the books have it going over two and a half at minus 126 at FanDuel. They uh, will go distance is plus 215, so they don't think it's going to go all the way. I think as we get into the later rounds, that's where Hermanson's going to shine and take over. And they actually have a nice uh, odds boost here on FanDuel Monson winning by KO, TKO, or submission. The double chance, you're getting plus 200 on that. So I like that. Jamal Hill blasts the marijuana sanctions as a waste of resources. I guess uh, they didn't like him smoking dope. Of course, he's going to blast it. He got a UFC win. It got taken away, changed to a no contest because he tested positive. I agree with him that it's just ridiculous right now. And, you know, you even had uh, Congress putting stuff through the House of Representatives recently about trying to decriminalize weed. You know, it's been ridiculous that it's been on the national, you know, no fly list essentially for anything. There's, you know, a drug and that is terrible and we can't have it. We know this is not the case. It's not, you know, all these other drugs. It's not a performance enhancer. It's ridiculous that we have this. And you see the NBA, you know, they stepped up today and said, listen, we're not even going to test these guys for this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect them. It might even help them. So he's ticked off about that. But I'm taking Oven St. Prue in this one as the underdog again at plus 136. I think the young guy Hill is coming in here. St. Prue's the veteran. The guy comes in weird angles. We saw what he did against Menafield last fight. I like him to win this fight. So Habib wants to build his uh, new promotion into a UFC feeder league. What is he doing? He's making his own promotion. His, I think it's Eagle War uh, promotions. He's going to start his own thing over in Europe and the Middle East and over you know, in that area of the world. And he's going to do like you know, some of these other leagues, a smaller promotion where he can start these guys. He's got a lot of teammates in that area of the world that he's been trying to promote with the UFC. So he's trying to get these guys, get them fighting, get them known, and then you know, let them go over to the big time. How about Demetrius Johnson going to fight for the one championship in February? Remember him? Yeah, he's been gone for a while, but he's still a tough fighter. All right, great stuff. We'll see what happens with Danny Garcia against Errol Spence tomorrow night on Fox Pay-Per-View. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, Pharrell, back on Coast to Coast on a pain-free Friday. Good to have you We bring in the maestro, uh, Adam Kaplan, our NFL insider. You can follow him at Kaplan NFL. A lot of Steeler fans having none of Kaplan overnight. Abusive tweets directed toward our fine colleague after he suggested that the Steelers were not to be feared by anyone in the NFL with their 11-0 record. Uh, but it, that's because he's an Eagles fan. That's the problem with this guy. He lives <laughs> on the uh, wrong side of the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, all right, Adam, good to have you with us. 
We got a lot to yeah. talk about today. Why don't we start out by talking about your crappy team and, and not waste any time talking about my kick-ass team uh, that's going to the AFC Championship game. Let's talk about the Eagles. So the Packers, Eagles, at Lambeau, and uh, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers today, about uh, possibly being the MVP. I said earlier yes. I think the Eagles get whacked in this game. They should, okay? They should. I saw the number earlier this week. It was around uh, 9 of 10. And, and look, the Eagles have trouble scoring. We know that. But let's get over to Aaron Rodgers first because you, you might have seen Devontae Adams or Star Wars comments about Rodgers should be in the MVP running, and he definitely should be. When you look at the kind of season he's had, it's interesting because talking to other teams last season about why Rodgers was struggling with Matt LaFleur, the word I got was, from a conceptual standpoint, from the just an overview of the offense, it was very vanilla very conservative, and you saw his yardage total drop 440 yards from 2018. You really wondered, you know, people are saying, is Rodgers done? Is he regressing? No. It was because the play calling wasn't good enough. Now, you fast forward to this season. For a Rodgers own pace for not only just 4,500 yards, but 48 passing touchdowns, which would be a career high. And you know what I find funny about all this? How many fans and NFL analysts around the country said that their front office did a bad job of not giving Rodgers a, a, a receiver in the first or second round. No, what happened here was, yeah, they didn't. But you're seeing breakout seasons for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, you're seeing Robert Tonian. Tonian at tight end well, at Indiana State, okay? He was a quarterback and a receiver. He moves to tight end. Rodgers has repeatedly said how much he trusts him. And talking to teams that have played the Packers, it's hard to beat them because he gets rid of the ball so quickly. I love the the uh, the the term that one league source gave me. He's quick draw McGraw because you just cannot get to him because he gets rid of the ball so fast. So let's talk about your uh, Eagles. Uh, tell me what the situation is right now uh, for Peterson, and uh, they're basically stuck in federal reserve money type uh, jail with Carson Wentz. They owe this guy a hundred million dollars. And he's playing like he's worth a uh, hundred dollars. Uh, what's the the real story in Philly? Because I know both of them are getting abused. They are, yeah, they are, especially in talk radio. So let's start with Carson Wentz's contract. Yeah, there's no way it's prohibitive for them to get rid of him by trading him after this season. So he'll be an Eagle for, at least for 2021. And obviously, they draft Jalen Hurts, other uh, second round pick out of Oklahoma. They, they only get in for a couple plays a game. They still have not figured out how to use him correctly or the right way or the, the way that they want to. Uh, but let's let's talk about Doug Peterson right here. Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl winning head coach. He's made the playoffs three years in a row after his rookie season having a losing record at 7-9. and nine. Uh, It's been a tough season for him. Uh, the word around the league is that when you look at the Eagles offense, it's just people struggle watching it, the structure of it. Not very aggressive, and obviously Wentz is struggling badly. Look, if they don't make the playoffs, they're still only a game behind at 3-7-1. If they don't make the playoffs, you're going to see some changes. Now, I'm not saying Doug Peterson's getting fired, but let's look at last season. After last season, they had made the playoffs three straight years, okay? They made it, obviously, 17, 18, 19. After 19, the owner got involved and two coaches were fired in the offensive staff. So, if they don't make the playoffs, why would anything by anyone think anything differently about what would happen with their offensive staff? When I've when I've talked to teams around the league over the years about when you don't meet expectations, typically there are changes. And knowing the way Jeffrey Lurie is, who's a very aggressive owner, very supportive, but his support can only go so far. And unless you take the team where it needs to go, the playoffs, 
I can't see things staying status quo. It just won't happen. N- not in Philadelphia. It won't happen with this organization. Well, is it true that uh, Lurie has blown off games and and he won't even go watch him play? They're so bad. Is that true? Yeah, there was a report, a really interesting report um, from the Philadelphia Inquirer that said that Lurie's, Lurie did not go to the Browns game two weeks ago. Uh, now, the team said that part of it was because of at least co- the COVID concern. But also, uh, the Inquirer also reported last week that uh, Lori left a practice recently in disgust. And I could tell you that from my sources, he certainly has not been happy with the way things have gone with their offense, which is no secret. Anyone who's watched them, as I said, when teams have watched their offense, they struggle to see what they're doing. And obviously, the quarterback has regressed. When you make an investment, Pharrell, in your quarterback like Jeffrey Lori has, and the quarterback regresses significantly like he has, you're not going to be happy with the coaches. No one is. The fans are not. The fans are, you mentioned, the fans are going for Peterson. They're going after the assistant coaches. They're going after the quarterback. That's what happens when you don't meet expectations around the National Football League. How did this guy uh, fall off so dramatically, uh, Wentz? Uh, Because the season that they won the Super Bowl, the guy was on fire. And then he got injured. And then he's never been good since. He has never done anything since he got injured he came back and he's just fallen off a cliff how can you even explain it so here's the way i look at it 17 that you're right before he took uh, suffered the acl injury in los angeles against the rams he was clearly the leading candidate to be the mvp 18 remember he had a back fracture solid season not great not throwing the downfield a lot but he still was solid 19 i would say let's be fair about the regression started very inconsistent but brought the team in the playoffs with a bunch of street-free agents. The final quarter of the season, he was terrific. Not only is he not consistent this season, he's well below average. In fact, right now, I put him as a bottom 10 quarterback performer. And the way you ask this is exactly what teams have said to me. They cannot believe how poorly he's played. Such a gifted player. It's regressed so significantly. You you, you look at his mechanics, which are way off. Footwork way off. I I had a a source from another team who's from the offensive side of the football, watched the Eagles tape last week. Uh, Arm slot, the guy said, is bad. The the way that he sets his elbows off, his feet are not even set correctly. How could this happen, Pharrell? This this is a guy who's in his fifth season, not his first season of quarterback for the Eagles. It's just the craziest thing I I think Mm -hmm. I've ever seen because I thought he was so good, and then then I didn't. I was like, oh, my God, that was fast. So what's the deal with Colt McCoy going into this game in Seattle? I say they got to pound Gallman all day and count on that defense to stay in this game. I know you have uh, talked about McCoy's going to be a lot better with checkdowns and stuff short underneath uh, tight ends and running backs. Don't let him throw because he can't. Yeah, the word the word from talking to people who have looked at him uh, over the years is that doesn't have a very good arm, very very average. Obviously, he's only about six foot one. The tight ends will be involved. Evan Ingram should be super involved in this game. And and you saw what Dallas Goddard, the Eagles tight end, did to Seattle. He was the Eagles' lone really uh, weapon on offense uh, versus Seattle and Philly uh, earlier this week. But when you look at Colt McCoy, you're going to see the backs get involved with checkdowns. I agree with your assessment on Wayne Goldman. He's got to be heavily involved. That's the really only chance. The one thing, though, talking to uh, people who've looked at Seattle, they've been super aggressive lately. Their defense, which was horrendous, for really about eight or nine weeks. They've been really great and 
Jamal Adams in that trade, they gave up a lot for him to get him from the Jets, but he's their designated blitzer. Carlos Dunlap has looked great since that trade from Cincinnati. However, he's got a sprained foot, so we have to see how he does uh, later today after their practice. But right now, this should not be close this game. Without Daniel Jones, the only question with Jones is could he dress? He's not expected to play, obviously. It's just a matter of can he do anything to be the backup quarterback. But Colt McCoy's definitely starting. That's not in question. I just don't see them hanging in there. The Seahawks should absolutely cruise in this game at home versus the Giants. I got 25 seconds. Do you think uh, Josh Gordon, uh, it'll work in Seattle, or will he get thrown out again? Look, the the, the thing with him is clearly off the field. Uh, he's actually a good citizen in the building. He'll be a backup receiver. He'll back up DK Metcalf uh, later when he comes back for the final two games and into the playoffs. But they know who he is. He knows them. Uh, the key for him is not physical shape. It is in game shape and staying out of trouble, obviously, with substance abuse. But here's a kid who's had tough right, We'll come right back with uh, Adam Kaplan. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, uh, Pharrell back on Coast to Coast. Let's talk about, uh, with Adam Kaplan, the Colts and uh, Texans. The Colts get uh, DeForest Buckner back. That's huge, Adam. Monster, absolutely monster, Pharrell. You might be talking about the NFL's best defensive tackle that nobody knows about. What a great trade Chris Bauer, the GM, the Colts made. Only had to give him a mid-first-round pick for one of the most dominant defensive tackles in the National Football League, six foot seven. They got Dinico Autry, their DN, back also off the COVID list. And when you looked at their game last week, if you want to know why they got smoked at home by the Titans, these two guys are out of lineup. They're back. They should have no trouble on the road this week. The only guy they're going to be missing on defense is Bobby Okariki at linebacker who's having a breakout season. A favorite with scouting sources around the league. They love this kid, but he's out this week for the second straight week with an ankle injury. Now the Texans, this is a big reason why they're going to lose. You saw what they did. They crushed, absolutely crushed the Lions secondary last week. Will Fuller had over 200 yards. Well, guess what? He's out. Six-game suspension. Randall Cobb has to serve yet another game on IR due to his toe injury. Kenny Stills, they cut. So what they'll do is watch for Jordan Aikens, a former baseball player. He's a little bit older. He's only his third year in the National Football League, but he's 29 years old. He's a vertical threat at tight end. I talked to tight end coaches before the 18 draft. Pharrell, they absolutely loved him. They thought he was the second or third best tight end vertical threat for that draft. That's what he's going to do. He dropped two touchdown passes last week, though, so you got to keep an eye on that. Kiki QT will be their slot receiver for Randall Cobb, but they're down in pass targets. They've got to run the ball a little bit more, and they got to get the backs involved, particularly Duke Johnson in the pass game like he did last week. He had a touchdown, but this rushed the Texans' passing game without Fuller because he is terrific, and he's on the final year, by the way, of his rookie deal. I mean, that's unbelievable. Fuller uh, and, and, you know, his suspension. Cobb gets injured. Stills, they cut. I don't know why they did that. And then they go with this big tight end that can't catch touchdown passes uh, that is dangerous. But I'll tell you what's even more dangerous when you drop two touchdown passes. Uh, that's called danger losing your job. What, what, one more thing I do want to add there. Bradley Roby, their best corner, he's also suspended for six games. So that'll crush them going against the Colts. I'd be shocked if this game is, is close. I don't see it. The Colts should dominate this game. Yeah, I'm with you there, Adam. Let's talk about uh, Monday night. 
Carver High is under a tremendous strain. Uh, just he's not even working Monday. He's just the whole thing has got him rattled. He's not even going to be at work Monday. He literally took off. It's so bad. He took Tuesday off as well to recover from all of this. Even if the Bills win, he needs a day of meditation and beer drinking. This is going to be a fun game because the Niners defense, let me tell you something. They're bringing it right now. They did some number against the, the Rams last week. They completely shut down Jared Goff and the, and the Rams. So they've gotten healthier on the defensive side of the football. But the one issue they have on offense, and this is a big one, Debo Samuel had a ha- had a setback with his hamstring injury, the same one that kept them on IR for a while. So they got to keep an eye on that. Um, they're getting Brandon Ayuk back from the COVID list, thank goodness, for this game. Jordan Reed is kind of getting the job done at tight end when he can. They've got a bunch of the running backs back last week. Raheem Mostert had a good game. He'll be more involved in the offense going forward. I could I smell an upset in this game, folks. I really do. I would if I'm Carver. I absolutely am a little bit concerned about this. Now, remember though, this is not in San Francisco. This is in Arizona. It doesn't matter. In fact, the matter is the Bills have to travel out west. The Niners are only one game back of that wild card. The 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 Cardinals are holding that at six and five. The Niners are five and six. I give the Niners a real shot here. I'm going to pick them in an upset, and it certainly would be against the Bills. And I'm a little bit concerned about the Bills in their passing game. Their offensive line is not doing a tremendous job of protection. The the numbers are going down for Josh Allen lately. We'll see how he does this week. This will not be an easy match if the Niners played great last week on defense. Listen, you're like Harbor High. You know, the Bills keep winning. Uh, they're going to win the division. You're telling me how bad Josh Allen looks. And then Carver High, when they win the game, he's like, they didn't look good. They looked awful. They were sloppy. They were this or that. <laughs> I'll take any W I can get. And I love Josh Allen. I'm so sorry that both of you have soured on the great talent well, of Allen up in Buffalo. Just not, this is a I tough mean, game last week for him. Honestly, yeah. like, uh, you're like, uh, to impress you and Carver High, I mean, I really got to roll out the red carpet to get the approval. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, Samuel, I thought uh, Adam looked fantastic against the Rams. Yeah, it changed their the dynamic of their offense like dramatically. I was like, oh my God, they look good. And then I went on the air and I said, look, this is a dangerous football team if they're healthy. They spent the entire season just ravished with injuries. Uh, do you obviously think the Samuel injury is going to set them back and kill them a little bit? But I think that's a good football team that beat the Rams. I think the, the Bills have their hands full and everyone else the rest of the way with San Francisco. Yeah, because their defense, despite all the injuries, it's righted itself. It, it, they're playing consistent football on that on that side. And Robert Sala, the D coordinator, is a, is a heavy head coaching candidate in January. In fact, here's the funny thing about Robert Sala. First few years, their defense was horrendous, okay? Last year, everybody wanted him fired going into the 19th season. They had a breakout season on defense to make the Super Bowl. There was all these players. He's doing an even better job this year with lesser talent. He's done a phenomenal job. And to me, he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And you, you watch him on the sidelines for all. I'm sure you've seen him. Guy's got a ton of energy. He's a great teacher. They've just done a great job. And I, I give Kyle Shanahan credit. Not enough people give him credit for keeping the team together. They've had the worst injury situation by far in the National Football League. They've had these crazy COVID situation. You might remember about the, with that home game about a month ago against the Packers where they lost all sorts of players. In fact, people wanted that game moved for three days. The league wouldn't move it. They got blown out at home against the Packers. But that didn't stop them. They, they've turned their season around. And, you know, the Cardinals are sort of inconsistent. The Niners are pushing for that last wild card spot in the NFC, and it wouldn't shock me if they got it. Do you think the Niners uh, coordinator has a, a better shot uh, at that 
Ryan's job than uh, Biennemi because it is stunning to me how I have heard Eric Biennemi is the number one coach on everyone's list for what now two years and the guy still doesn't uh, get a job and does he even get an interview. I mean, it is unbelievable oh, yeah, to me. It. Yeah, he. I could tell you for a fact he's absolutely the number one candidate. He'll get a job this year. Now we're going to have probably between six and eight openings. The, the average since. 1996 and a half openings. We have four GM openings, which is almost historic. You rarely have more than one. We have four, and we could have two to three more openings. So the enemy will get a job. There's no question about it. Uh, the, the only question for him is who's going to be his defensive coordinator. Sala is a top three head coaching candidate. He's going he's to have a chance to be a head coach. Uh, you got to give Kyle Shanahan credit. He's done a great job really handling his coaching staff, getting a very good staff together. When you don't have a good coaching staff, you're not competing for a wild card sport like they are. With all the issues that they've had, they've kept themselves together, and I, I give them tremendous credit. Give John Lynch their GM credit as well for assembling a good staff. Adam Peters, their personnel director, by the way, one of the top GM candidates this coming year. Does Thomas Dimitrov get one of those four gigs, or is he going to be doing something else for a living? TD, look, I'll tell you what. He will be great in the media if he chooses not to go back to the NFL next season. He will do great in the media, believe me on that one. He's a very thoughtful guy and uh, a guy that I always enjoyed talking to when I'd visit the Falcons over the years. So, uh, look, they had a great run there, as you know, by the way, in Atlanta. They had a great one. Got the Super Bowl. Didn't get it, unfortunately, but they had a great chance. They had a big lead. Yeah, that's not his fault that uh, they blew a 25-point lead. I can tell you that much. Tell me about Adam Gase uh, admitting that he's yeah. done a terrible job with Sam Darnold. I actually think he's done a terrible job and that Sam Darnold is basically Matt Barkley. How's that sound? That's a little bit strong, but you, you and I talked probably back in October, and I know I know the Jets weren't happy with this or other people weren't, but I said, let's not pencil Sam Darnold in. This is before we could see how bad the team was going to be. I said, let's not pencil Sam Darnold in for next season because you had a new personnel staff, really. This, was, this past draft was Joe Douglas, the GM's first draft, okay? They inherited Sam Darnold. They've said publicly many times they like Sam Darnold, but if you've got the first overall pick, it's Trevor Lawrence, and there's no debate. He's got to be the first overall pick, and right now they own it. The Jaguars are a close second. The Jaguars are looking for a quarterback. The Jets will be. I, I strongly believe if they get it, they'll take him. They'll take Trevor Lawrence, assuming he does declare like most people around the league believe, and you know, Lawrence is one of these once in every 10 to 15 type quarterbacks. You, you got to take him when he's there. This quarterback draft, Pharrell, by the way, if the key underclassmen declared by July, uh, excuse me, January 15th, you're looking at in the first three rounds, at least seven quarterbacks that teams see as potential first rounders. If the top, everyone, all the underclassmen declare, doesn't mean they'll go in the first round, but see his first round talent, uh, Trey Lance from North Dakota State is a guy that people absolutely love, but you're not hearing a lot of. We're going to hear a lot of him in, in January. So if you need a quarterback, this is your year to get one. You know, some people might start thinking, uh, we've already had enough of the North Dakota State quarterbacks in the NFL watching them drive into a wall. Thanks a lot. I'll pass. Let me ask you this question. Tom Brady, is he really calling all the plays in Tampa? Then how does Arians get blamed for anything if Tom Brady's in charge? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mention this because there had been all these rumors about, hey, Arians is tough. He's not giving Brady passes that he wants. They're structuring the offense around what Brady's strengths are. The one thing that they're not getting done is this downfield passing, which has kind of regressed lately. I do believe it's a timing issue. Just talking to people who've looked at his game tape, 
their timing between he and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin is not quite there. Evans a little bit better than with Godwin. And let's not forget, Chris Godwin had a breakout season, not on the outside last year, but as their slot receiver and his roles changed this year, he's playing now mostly on the outside. So that is a little bit of a problem. Things have changed a little bit for the Buccaneers and they just got to get the time down. But I think their buy actually has come at the right time because it's not just their offense, Pharrell, that struggled. Their defense, which was incredible for about eight weeks, it has regressed significantly. And Todd Bowles and his staff, I'm sure they're going to use this week to self-scout. And you know, Todd Bowles, by the way, probably going to be head co- coaching candidate once again in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I think he's done a great job. Uh, 20 seconds. Who do you like in that Rams-Cardinals game? I'm going to pick the Rams, okay? I'm going to pick the I'm going to pick the Rams to win that game. I think they bounce back. Why? Because their defense is better. I, I love I love uh, I love the what the, the job that uh, Brandon Staler, D coordinator, has done, and I'm going to pick the Rams in a tight ball game. All right, Adam, have a great weekend. We'll see you again on Monday on Coast to Coast. Great job. Thank you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, for all back on Coast to Coast. Carver, I want to start by talking about, uh, you know, primo boy, uh, Kyrie Irving. (laughs) Can we get him in the primo club? Primo Donna. Uh, So uh, this guy today came out with a statement uh, basically saying, in not so many words, I'm going to tell the story because the media can't tell the story accurately of what I want to do this year. Uh, I want to show up for work, be a great player, be a great teammate, have fun, ball out, try to win a championship with the Nets. And uh, I'm all business and I'm getting down uh, from the jump and let's go. And then later in the day, there were reports that he wasn't going to do any interviews this year and he was going to put a ban on the media and I got to tell you, uh, that's some candy ass stuff. I, I, I really think, <laughs> I think it should be illegal. Uh, I think that uh, the NBA cannot have the inmates running the asylum where uh, if one guy says he's not going to do any interviews, I can guarantee you it's going to open up a can of worms where every big name player is not going to do interviews and they're going to, uh, you know, ban the media from talking to them. I'll tell you what. They already do it. Uh, they're already doing uh, their own podcasts, their own magazines. Their own. They don't like the media. They hate the media, and they think the media is a pain in their rear, and they can't stand dealing with the media. But that's the way the world works. That's the way the world works in sports. And it also is the way they, uh, they make money. Uh, they make all that money because – the media creates the interest and the fandom and the chaos and makes everyone dig the sport and watch the sport and read about it and tweet about it and Instagram about it and follow it and buy all the merchandise. If it wasn't for the TV and the radio and the media, they would have nothing. They wouldn't even have a league. And so you can't have players like Kyrie Irving saying 
I'm not going to deal with the media ever. It should not be allowed for one second. No, I'm with you. And didn't we just play a clip from, what was it, Kevin Durant two or three days ago where he was like, well, you know, it's not going to be any drama uh, from us this year. You know, you guys are the ones that cause all the drama, and here we are by the end of the week, and already you have a little bit uh, with Kyrie Irving. And I would lean more towards uh, the report I saw earlier today. It sounds like it ain't going to be all year. Like, all right, you're not going to talk to the media all year? Uh, whatever, dude. If that's what you want to do, that's the way that it goes. Uh, Scotty, NBA also officially suspends the random marijuana testing. So everybody will be happy. They are not going to test for weed in the NBA this year. I know, very exciting. Well, I know that half the league smokes, so uh, they smoke with or without the testing and rules. Uh, the the old adage was that they knew when the test was coming, so they always were able to pass the test, and they only get tested once, and then the rest of the year they smoke. Everyone knows that the NBA players smoke and, and blaze. That's just all there is to it. And... You know, I'm from the side of the river that says people have to get over the whole weed thing. I mean, it's been loosened in several states. It's uh, legalized through voting in New Jersey here in November. Uh, we already know there's several states where it's legal. Uh, that that's still a federal crime is a joke. Uh, I just think that they got to get over it. I, I agree with the UFC fighter that has a problem with it. I agree with NBA players that have a problem with it. I think NHL players, how many times should you be uh, hit in the head and have your shoulders uh, torn off and slammed into the boards and get on the team plane in agony? You can't take uh, opioids. You can't smoke weed. I mean, what do you take an Advil and get over those uh, bodily abuses that they go through? Just let them smoke weed and uh, deal with the pain in their own way. Eventually, it's going to happen. Eventually, I guarantee you, they're going to allow weed in sports uh, because they've already started opening up that can, and I think it should continue to open up and then just be allowed uh, all around. All right, we bring in the legendary Hall of Famer and the always classy Jimmy Lennon. Very excited about tomorrow night's Fox pay-per-view PBC from Jerry's World in Arlington, Texas. The truth, Errol Spence against Danny Swift Garcia, going to be a good one. The great Jimmy Lennon joins us on Coast to Coast. Jimmy, my man, I hope you're well. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, Scott, thank you so much. Great to have uh, me be with you here, getting a little break from my bubble in my hotel room, which I've been many, uh, too many hours. And uh, so it's great to talk with you and get that break. Listen, were you at the, um, the Spence fight with Mikey Garcia at Jerry's World in 2019? I was at that fight. Did you do that PBC fight? I think you did. I did do that fight, and it was a tremendous thing to see all those folks there in the, an amazing uh, stadium and a really good fight. And uh, it was very exciting and really happy to be going back there uh, tomorrow night. I think it's just a, a great stadium. Uh, I thought it was an unbelievable atmosphere for a fight. And we saw uh, really Errol at his finest. I thought Mikey bit off more than he could chew. I liked his stones that he took him on and went up and wait. What did you think of seeing uh, Errol Spence that night with that big crowd and perform in front of his hometown and how he looked so good? And then after that, his uh, decisions that he made away from the ring started uh, falling down and, and getting in car crashes and everything. Are you surprised at what happened to him after all the success? 
Yeah, well, first of all, in terms of the atmosphere of that, that event, it was terrific. It, it was one of the memorable ones. I've done a lot of big ones, you know, when Chavez fought in front of 135,000 people. Uh, a lot of Tyson fights were very exciting. And when Errol Spence sold out the AT&T Stadium, that was another just great atmosphere that I certainly won't forget and I was proud to be a part of. Um, yeah, I, I like that Mikey Garcia stepped up. He took on the challenge. He's been true to his word. He always wanted to fight the best. But you're right. He wasn't quite big enough, not not quite at the same level as Errol Spence. Errol fought very smart that night and, and just won a masterful, so clear-cut decision. Uh, and in terms of, the, you know, his activities, yeah, I was surprised. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that he made those uh, some of those decisions that got him into a little trouble. Uh, and maybe this woke him up. I think he's certainly said that it has, and uh, I think we're going to see 100% Errol Spence tomorrow night. I really believe he's back and 100%. Yeah, I was at the uh, Garcia fights when he lost uh, to one-time Thurman and to Sean Porter. I had Sean on the show this week as well, uh, and uh, I just think, uh, here's another situation, I just think Spence is better than Danny Garcia, uh, and I saw Spence uh, beat Sean, I think Spence can beat uh, Thurman. I think Spence can beat anyone he wants. Do you think this is another situation? I, I know that Danny's of weight now, and he's beaten everyone at other divisions and other weights. But at welterweight, I don't think he's been that impressive. Yeah, you know, you could certainly have heard that argument, and you could argue that. Um, the one thing is that he's now been at welterweight for a while. Uh, he does have a great punch, great chin. He's a masterful boxer. And I tell you, he has surprised me a number of times uh, when he stepped up and, and uh, knocked out Lucas Matisse or just destroyed him in, in a fight. It really surprised me. That was a number of years ago. But I certainly wouldn't count him out. I'm not a person who's going to predict a fight that I'm a part of. But I really do honestly believe it's a very competitive, good fight. And I think it goes 12 rounds. I think it goes to a decision. And... You know, we'll see which way it turns. But, you know, I'm with you. Errol Spence has always been considered just a tremendous fighter, uh, you know, one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters. And people often talk about in the gym how hard he hits and how that bag sounds when he hits it. I've heard numerous people talk about that. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's, it's a fight that I certainly don't want to miss. I can't wait to announce it and sit down and watch it unfold. So uh, your career has been brilliant. Uh, it runs in the family. What's it like, uh, really, and I mean this in all due respect, following in your father's footsteps and carrying on that tradition as eloquently as you have and brilliantly, uh, it has to mean a lot to you and your family to see all that and all these years and decades of excellence. Well, thank you for uh, those kind words. You know, um, my father announced for many, many years, and I remember at first he, I was certainly in his shadow, as I should be. And, uh, you know, I, I believe he's the best announcer that ever was. Um, uh, but now more and more people are saying, oh, your father announced as well. So that surprises me a little bit, but it's, of course, now a long time ago. And I know that working with my father, I made him the happiest man in the world by following in his footsteps. And it was just something I, I thought I'd try, and it kind of took off very well. And so he was very proud and very happy. And, yeah, I did make my family happy. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a lucky man. I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in this sport where I can um, – you know, a sport that I love. I can do work. People treat me so nicely, and I can sit down and watch some of the best fights in the world in uh, in seats that are even better than Jack Nicholson's seats.
Yeah, I'm telling you, you're right there in the middle of it all. What's it like for you to uh, be in the ring for some of the greatest fights ever? Now, I worked for Don King. Uh, I worked for uh, Oscar. I worked for Floyd. I've worked for Al. I've worked for uh, Bruce Binkow and Richard Schaefer. I've been at over 100 title fights. I've sat right there with you. I've watched you every step of the way. What's it like for you uh, to be in that? arena on those nights of of just uh, the most incredible energy in the sport ever and you're in the middle of it all and you're in charge yeah you know that's there's no place i'd rather be in the world at that moment at that time to be in the center of the ring and uh, you know sometimes having people listen to every syllable because the decision might be so close and and they can't wait or to really put the spotlight on the fighters. I love that. You know, the bigger the fight, the easier it is in many ways because there's that, such a crowd atmosphere and such excitement. You can feel it, and that's what makes boxing so great. You and I have had a lot of the, the same bosses. I've worked for all of them as well. And, right. you know, those, those are all just great, great fights. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, I love announcing and being in charge, but I really do love sitting down and watching it unfold. I mean, it's it's a great, great feeling in, in this terrific sport. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, so I got to ask you lastly, real quick, respectfully, I have one minute. Uh, you've done a lot of MMA as well, Strike Force, Elite. You've done uh, K1. You've done everything all over the world in, in the Far East. Do you like doing that as much as the boxing? You know, I love MMA. I think it's a, it's a great sport, and I think boxing in many ways has been inspired by it, by putting on really competitive fights and not protecting a, a perfect record, you know, and getting a lot of action. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot more boxing and that's where my heart is. That's where I've been for a long, long time. But you mentioned traveling to the Far East and around the world. I love traveling. Not during this pandemic. It's no fun, but <laughs> otherwise, I love it very much. All right. Hey, the always classy Jimmy Lennon. Hey, Jimmy, thanks so much for your time. Enjoy the fight tomorrow night. Fox pay-per-view, PBC. Errol Spence, Danny Garcia should be a good one at Jerry's World. Have a great fight. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. God bless. Stay healthy. Good to see you, Jimmy. Keep doing your thing. You're the best. Thank you so much. I love it. All right. Jimmy Lennon with us today on Coast to Coast. I have to throw a couple things back at you, Carver High. Uh, the NBA trade deadline set for March 25th. Budenholzer says it's not uh, a title or bust season. I don't believe that for a second. And Harden hasn't showed up at all for anything in Houston. Yeah, not a title or bust season. Sure it's not. You've only had the best regular season record for two years in a row. You lose in the playoffs every year. Everybody in Milwaukee wanted you out at the end of last season. But it's not title or bust. Sure, Mike, I believe all that. Why are the Staten Island Yankees a minor league team suing them? Well, because the Yankees cut them as a minor league team, and now they're left to do nothing. They have to shut down operations, so they're suing them and Major League Baseball. Fight. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All 
So the Staten Island Yankees are suing the Yankees, and if they get the money, they're going to give it to charity. I love this story. I hope it gets sticky. The Yankees have had contact with Michael Brantley. I don't want him. Len Casper leaves the Cubs TV booth to join the White Sox radio booth. That's sacrilege right there. And then I hear Chris Myers is getting the uh, Cubs gig from Fox Sports. But Carver, one thing about Brant, one thing about Brantley, I gotta say, why are the Yankees looking for an outfielder? Uh, they're not going to do this again, Scotty. Right? Like, can you just put Clint Frazier in left field and let him play every day? Like, what are we doing I, looking I, at outfielders for? Like, can you just let the kid play 150 games out in left field and see what you have? Why would we bring another outfielder into the mix? It's just silly. Trade it's him if they don't like him. They, yeah. they have screwed with that kid. That's why his hair's red. NHL 52 <laughs> to 56 games. Do you like it? And will they wait till October to start? No, I, it sounds like a little progress today. I think that they might get this in maybe the middle to the end of January, Scotty, 52 or 56 games. Let's hope so. They are having a uh, war between the union and the uh, league. Yeah. They just don't want the public to know it. Real quick, uh, Le'Veon Bell says he wants to beat Jake Paul's ass now. And then uh, real quick guy? on top of that, a woman <laughs> cycles around London, start graving naked. That is awesome. I love that girl. Yeah. And then a Kentucky mayor charged with DUI after crashing his car after passing out at the White Castle drive through You know wow. you've hit a new low when you're going in to get the greasers late at night so you, you can have your ass rip in the wow. morning and you, you crash your yard? car into a ball. That's the spot, <laughs> man. You go to the yard. That's a good 2, 3 a.m. spot. You go there, you get yourself a sack. Uh, my man, he couldn't couldn't hold it. <laughs> Listen, do you remember when we were at the D in Vegas and the White Castle's oh, right across the street? But we still right went with the, the hot dogs. That we still went with the hot dogs. Uh, trust me, I made a trip castle. over there. I made a trip over there at three a.m. one night. I did. You used to get the $5 uh, 40 ounce beers right across from the White Castle. And what yes, was the name of the those, uh, yeah. Coney Island Dogs? Was that the name of the yes. uh, place? Coney Island, Coney Island oh, Dogs. The That's chili it. dogs at that place. They gave me the worst gas ever. I love that place. I think they're fantastic. Plus, they had great gyros at that place. All right, yes, uh, game time is. decisions next. See you tonight on events. Great job, everybody. So long.